Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba. Are you listening to the Blue Day podcast? Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast. And for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a faith for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And joining me this week for the final week of 2021 is a man who graced Stamford Bridge with his play once or twice. A man that did not send Ken Bates a Christmas card this year, but an all-round good guy, Steve Wicks. Steve, how are we today? And how about it? Last show of 2021. Yeah, it's amazing how it's gone. You know, with the COVID thing, it's amazing how life's gone quickly. You know, I look back and I think that's those two years have flown. Um, but no, it's... Um, it's important times for us, Keith. It's uh, as early as it is, it's reached crunch time for us. You know, we got a big game tonight, which is uh, we can't afford to drop anything. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. Well, as of recording this, because for those that will probably gather, we are recording this before the Brighton game. This will be going out after the Brighton result. So we don't know what happens at Stamford Bridge. A um, little bit weird to actually record a couple of hours before a game, bearing in mind normally I would be at Stamford Bridge, um, either at the Chelsea Pensioner or at Jack's the Restaurant, for example. But unfortunately, I'm not there at Stamford Bridge because I am unfortunately got struck with COVID. I've had it for about a week. Sort of ruined Christmas a little bit in regards to seeing in-laws and my own family, but... The most important thing is is that everybody in my household is fine, they're healthy, and I'm not as bad as I was last week. I'll, I'll probably sort of explain sort of a little bit what happened on my travels to Wolverhampton and Brentford in, in a minute, but I'm not as bad as I was, Steve, and I'm hoping to sort of beat this. You know, it's going to take a while. I'm still getting positive results from tests but I'm hoping sooner rather than later that will be erased and hopefully I'll be back on my feet and finally going outside to get some fresh air yeah but it'll probably be the first time you'll ever pass a test gate <laughs> well it took me a while to pass my driving test and uh, yes yeah no you don't look too bad no, I appreciate that. I, I I appreciate. I've put on a few pounds because of the because of the turkey, but that's that's not a bad thing, nonetheless. But Steve, you said it on top of the show. We are we are going to start it. It's a huge game. Again, this is going to be out after the Chelsea Brighton, so we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what two call selection is going to be. So we're just going to preview it a little bit. But we're going to talk about previous results. And where Chelsea can go this year. We'll start with um, the game against Brighton. I think Tuchel will make change. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think Tuchel will make changes from the squad against Aston Villa, which was a bloody good result, by the way, at Boxing Day. 
Um, bearing in mind we've got Liverpool on Sunday, which is a, a huge game. The fact that they lost, we win tonight, that will shift the momentum a little bit in our favour. And then who knows, we could beat them again on Sunday and have a nice little gap between ourselves and the so-called bin dippers. So huge, as you say, Steve, huge game tonight. And I'm just hoping Tuchel doesn't take it lightly because last season against Brighton, he took it lightly and we ended up drawing the game nil-nil. I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't do the same tonight. No, well, it's, I don't think he can afford to, Keith. You know, at the end of the day, we're, um, you know, our season effectively, or our challenge to the Premier League, could be over. You know, you, no way will Man City drop 12 points. No way. And it starts tonight. These are pressurised games and we've got to win tonight. And this is a dangerous game. You know, people say, well, Brighton only won their first game, but they've drawn a lot of games. And one of those draws was at Anfield. You know, they're not a walkover. Um, they're very dangerous from set pieces. Very dangerous. Um, and if they go 1-0 up, it's, it becomes an even harder game. And we've got to treat them with the utmost respect. And the way we treat them with respect is to pick our first team or as near to our first team as we can. Because at the weekend, the car code come in on change the game. That change was the a game huge plus. plus. That was a huge plus, um, yeah. And he, he bullied people. And it made you realise how much we've missed him. You know, and it, how much the team missed him. All of a sudden, they had a focal point. All of a sudden, they wanted someone who was working to get in behind, to stretch them and cause them problems. And they couldn't handle it. And, you know, with all due respect to Brighton, yes, they've got two very solid centre-backs, but they're not the most mobile. So move them around, get the ball in behind. But please don't sit him on the bench for 45 minutes and bring him on because we're getting beaten 1-0. Let's get the game won. Well, and then, and then protect him. I was going to say, I think he, he needs game time. Yeah, he does. And, you yeah, know, yeah. against Brighton where people are going to expect us to to win, I would, I would start Lukaku because you'd want him fresh against Liverpool, but you'd want him match fit against Liverpool. You don't want him to be half off the pace, partly jogging around because he's still trying to find his feet. You can't have that against Liverpool. And I certainly feel that if we play him tonight, he scores two goals, give him half out, give him an hour, take him off with half hour to go. That way you keep him fresh. That way you can keep his mindset still going ahead for the game against Liverpool. And bearing in mind we've got Tottenham in the League Cup as well, which I'm hoping Tuchel's going to take seriously because it is against Tottenham. But you want Lukaku ready. And I thought the game that he had against Villa was exactly what he needed, exactly what we needed. Because you look at where the goals should be coming from. We don't have a goal-scoring midfielder. We have them on the books, but we don't have them in the first team. We don't have wide players that are going to contribute scoring 10, 15 goals a season. Not like a Duff or a Robin from years gone by. So it's important to have Lukaku back. It's great to have him back. I'm expecting him to start. And, you know, again, the sooner we get Timo Werner back. I know people slate him. I know people don't rate him as a goal scorer. But he can still come up with something. He scored two goals against Zenit in the Champions League. He scored against Juve. He does come up with the odd goal here and there. We need a fully fit squad, especially for this month of games coming up. I mean, if people uh, not seen our fixture list and not aware, we've got Liverpool Sunday. We've then got Spurs three times in a month. Chesterfield, not worried about that too much on the 8th. You've got Man City on the 15th. Massive. We need we need a full we need a full squad available. Barring one person in particular who's not going to be there that we're going to talk about in a minute, but forward wise, we definitely need 
those players back because we cannot rely on Pudisic, Ziyech and Mount as a front three. It doesn't work. No, Keith, I agree. I, um, you know, the, the, in this title race, Chelsea and Liverpool have the same problem. Exactly the same problem. And Man City don't have that problem. And I think that's what gives them the edge. Um, Chelsea and Liverpool have not got players in midfield that score goals. Man City have an abundance of midfield players that score goals. And we need to get that, ironically, Keith, that Frank Lampard in the middle of our midfield that's going to score goals. And, um, and you look around and there's not many available. You know, I look at Madison and I'm thinking to myself, is he worth a punt? Is he going to offer us something different? And I think he would. He scored seven goals and made six in the last, I think it's 11 games. We haven't got that midfield player. And this is half the problem. We're, we're dominating teams and our midfield players aren't taking responsibility to score goals. And that's the, and Liverpool have the same problem, exactly the same problem. But you know what? Their front three is more potent than our front three, and they get out of jail because they bail them out all the time. But that's something we've got to look at. That is something we've got to look at in terms of January, or in terms of the start of next season. We've got to get that midfield player that scores 15 goals a season. And it'll be key because you look at our Chelsea set up at the moment with the two in midfield. Kovacic doesn't score. Jorginho only scores penalties. Kante, when he scores, everyone's shocked. Loftus-Cheek, his goal return has been poor. Saul, he's, he wasn't brought in to score goals. And even at Atletico, he was not a goal-scoring midfielder. So that's one key thing we're missing from. And... Again, I'll, I'll return to it. Our, our wide players do not score enough goals. Hudson Adoy don't score enough goals for his talent. Christian Pulisic, I'm yet to be convinced that there's a world class player there. I know there's a talent there, and I know there's a reason why the top clubs are looking at him at this moment in time. I know why Chelsea have signed him. But he, his goal return is not good enough. People are going to say, oh, he's been injured. He's come back from injury now for a while. And there was a player there under Frank that unfortunately picked up too many injuries. Hakim Ziyech, I'm still to be convinced that there's a player there. And you've got Kai Havertz, who's, if he's not injured, he's out of form. So, you... You look at comparing that to Liverpool and Man City. If Liverpool and Man City had the same issues that we've had, they would probably have the same results, probably worse results. Mm. You know, and I want to sort of discuss sort of a few games that sort of um, there were issues and people were saying, oh, Chelsea's season's faltering and things. Against the likes of Everton, where we had half a team available, and against Wolves that... Chelsea tried to get the game postponed but didn't and then by the time the game started it, both teams just didn't they played like they didn't want to be there they just couldn't wait to get out of there because again half the team was missing but those games you relied on a front three of Mount, Ziyech and Pulisic that's not going to win you a league that's not going to win you tight games against tough opposition away from home they're too lightweight they're not going to stretch defences. They're not going to cause issues to the centre-backs if you've got players playing out of position, playing you know, too, too nice, too sort of, they don't want to get their socks dirty type of players. And that's where I think our 
title t- our title challenge has been faltered a little bit. But I'm not saying we was going to win the league anyway. But those results, people will say, oh, it's it's a it's a it's a bad result. Draw draw against Wolves at Molyneux isn't the worst result in the world. The game against Everton was a bit of an annoyance because Everton had a worse team than we had that night. Pickford had the best game of his life up until the Euros. It was probably arguably his best game since then. But he played the uh, the other night against us. But we've got a chance to finish 2021 being in second place, which if you ask any realistic Chelsea fan who knows his stuff, he would have taken that at the start of the season. And that's where we are at the moment. Yeah. Well, I agree, but I, I also look at, um, you know, we play Leeds. We win 3-2. And I gave a massive sigh of relief when we won that game mm. because we needed to win that game. They go to Man City and get beat seven. Mm. Mm. And what I'm saying is those goals were all around the team, midfield, front players. They don't play with the centre forward. But the goals are spread around their midfield. And it would be so nice to see, other than a penalty, and I know it takes bottle to take a penalty, but other than the penalty, one of our midfield players break into the box and score the winning goal. When we're one all with five minutes to go. And we win the Wolves game 2-1. We win because we're not doing that. We're playing in front of people. We haven't got midfield players stretching the back four or joining in what Frank did at his best. Joining the front two or joining the front player and stretching. We don't do that. We play in front. We play in front all the time. Um, and that's why we're not scoring goals. Question then for you, Steve, on this. And we'll, and we'll move on. I said earlier on that we've got somebody on the books that can, I believe can do that but he's not in the squad do you believe Conor Gallagher could be that solution? Mate I think he's the, he's the type of midfield player that we need you know I think um, he joins in, he's the extra person up front he's a little South London rat, he sees a hole and he goes for it and I love him how he plays you know, there was a big discussion about Gilmore or Gallagher. And actually, until this season, I know he went to West Brom, didn't he? That's right, but, yeah. yeah. But he has been outstanding. And he has been, you know, enough to get him called up to the England squad. But he's the type of player that we're missing. All right, we've got all the big names. We've got ex-Real Madrid, ex-this, ex-that. But what Conor Gallagher does, he does your bread and butter stuff beautifully. And he's prepared to graft the other way. He's prepared to do the horrible things as well as the great things. And I think he's just the type of player that we need. We're all samey. We keep the ball, we play it square, we keep possession. Yeah, we look good, but we flatter to the scene. And it'll be In interesting. My humble opinion. It'll be interesting come the summer what happens with him because I know Palace are very high on him. Palace, from what I can gather from hearing certain people in the know, they they would like to bring him in permanently. I'm sure they would. Um, <laughs> Whether or not they can afford him is another matter, but they are, from what I can gather, looking to create a financial package to Chelsea, a, a, a good enough offer. Whether or not Chelsea will take it, I don't know. But again, Chelsea were the ones that allowed Fakayo Tomore to go. They could let O'Connor go. Next season will be interesting for him. And also, if he, is get, if he does get picked for the World Cup, which happens... This well around this time next year actually Christmas time isn't it Christmas time twenty twenty two that'll be be interesting how if he does get picked for that and what club he's what what club he is at later on but 
You've mentioned the midfield, and we've we've touched on the wide players, the lack of goals, Lukaku. Great to have him back. I just want to touch on the defence, Steve. Do you think there's still an issue? The fact that the other night, and against it was against Everton, and it was one thing that I when when I was there at the game, it it concerned me a little bit knowing that they that was our back three, the back three against Everton. Their contracts were all expiring at the end of the season. Yeah. And I'm thinking for a club that has won the European Cup this same year, this same calendar year, to go into next season trying to win trophies, trying to be the best team in London, but obviously the best team in the land. And you're relying on players that they don't know where their careers are going to end up. The goalkeeper, for example, in front of them, doesn't know if they're going to be their starter next season. The midfield behind them, sorry, midfield in front of them doesn't know if they're going to be there next season. You look at Christensen, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, Thiago Silva. Do you think one, two, three, or even all four will go? If you need, if not, do you, which ones do you think will stay? Well, I think there's different, you know, obviously Thiago Silva. Um, he's now coming out approaching 38, isn't he? I believe he's. Uh, I believe he'll be 38 this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Aspilicueta, who, who has been one of the greatest signings the club have had, he has given fantastic service to the club. But you know, the club has got to move on. You know, if we want to be the best in Europe, we have to move on. And we've also got to say. You know, I've heard rumours about Christensen going to Bayern Munich. I can understand Christensen looking at that and saying, you know, yeah, because I think he'd find it easier. You know, what, what he's been great at is he's changed his game and he's become almost like a British centre-back. He's changed his game. and he's, But all of a sudden, he's not performing like he has been. And I think there's... And then I think there's Rudiger who all of a sudden has become this footballing centre-half, who runs the ball out, leaves a whacking great big hole where he's come from. We lose the ball, he's not in the hole, and we can see the goal. And I think the discipline within that back three has waned a little bit. And I think the discipline and the hunger as a defender to keep a clean sheet is... You know, I used to love that. I, I, If we were winning 3-0 and we conceded a late goal, I used to hate that more than anything because it ruined that clean sheet. And I don't think we've got that in our heads at the moment. And maybe Rudiger, there's, there's talk about him going to Real Madrid. My God, I hope so. There's talk about Christensen going to Bayern Munich. I think that would be a loss. But he's a moody player sometimes. You know, the, the, the thing that Arsenal, when he went to have a wee or something, or he went off and, and disappeared, or, or, you know, and he seems to be thinking back into that little thing where all of a sudden, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but he's not the same player as he was four months ago. And it, it, it's it's not a coincidence that we're conceding goal, goals all over the place. Are they trying to sell themselves? Are they trying to... I call it the Arsenal disease because Arsenal have found themselves with their best players not having a contract and playing out that last year. And also, the other big thing as a player, if you've been offered, and trust me, it goes on in football, Bayern Munich have got hold of him and said, we're going to offer you this, we're going to offer you that, we're going to do it and you're going to be the number one centre-half in Bayern Munich. Um, you know, we want to sign you. The other thing then 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 they then start to do is, oh, I don't want to get injured. Oh, I don't want to I don't want to put myself at risk here. I don't want to get injured. You know, and as a centre back, trust me, you can't think of that. Because you've got to be throwing yourself into things, making tackles, getting up, blocking balls. That shouldn't be in your brain. And I'm just wondering if this whole thing where Chelsea haven't, you know, maybe Chelsea have got centre backs lined up. Maybe they don't think these are good enough. You know, I think they've all got weaknesses. I think they've all got... Uh, oh, wait a minute. Let me rephrase that. Aspilicueta. 
Thiago Silva, absolutely wonderful professional. They haven't got any weaknesses. They're great. The other two, are they playing for, the, for their move? Are they just wanting to get this over with to move? I think you've got to ask the question. Because I've heard Real Madrid, I've heard Bayern Munich, two massive clubs in world football. If they get their teeth into you and start whispering in your ear that that can affect the player. And it just so happens that we've gone through with two short, what, nearly a year of being a real tight defence, not conceding any goals, and yet we've conceded more goals in the last two months than we have the last eight months. But that's what happens in football, I'm afraid. That's what happens. And I just hope that, you know, we've got our network finding and looking for centre-backs that want to commit everything to Chelsea Football Club. Well, it'll be an interesting few months for the people at Chelsea when it comes to sorting out the contracts, if they are indeed to sort out the contracts of these particular players. And you look at someone like Christensen, who even from what I can sort of gather from media across Europe and Barcelona are even looking at him at the moment with Aspilicueta potentially going to the new camp. Um and yeah, it will be something if all four of those defenders were to depart. But as you say, Chelsea, in general, their transfer business has been pretty sound. So they are looking, they, they should be looking at reinforcements. And one position that I think that they will probably look to sort out this month will be the left back spot. And we have to send our best wishes to Mr. Ben Chilwell for his recovery at from his ACL injury. Hopefully he should be back for next season, at least to the injury. It was confirmed yesterday that he will be ruled out for the rest of the season. And as a hammer blow, huge, huge blow for us because he was coming into his own since he, since he got into the side and he wasn't at the, at the start of the season. He, he wasn't involved. Alonso was there for, the beginning of the season and then Chilwell got his opportunity, took it and was arguably our best player for a certain period. And he got the injury and it was such a hard time for him because how he came back from the Euros after the Euro disappointment to come back, Steve, it's a huge blow for him. Well, he he had that to deal with Keith. He, he, uh, you know, he was... uh... You know, they sort of picked him out and made him a bit of a scapegoat when he was talking to his club mate, uh, Billy Gilmore, who had COVID, who tested positive. Um, and he never played him. He played the right back at left back. He played everything. He never played Chilwell. And I said, at the start of this season, our two fullbacks are as good as it gets. And I could see in the future us having the best left and right back in world football, I think they are that good. Um, and I watched, you know, the Liverpool Alexander Arnold last night, and he's not in the same class as I don't care what anyone says, he's not in the same class as Reese James. Defensively, Reese is twice the player, and going forward, there's not much difference. And everyone says about Alexander Arnold, he's so good going forward, but you know something. There comes a time, and he was woefully at fault, I I thought, for the goal last night for Liverpool. And Reece James is a far better player. I wish we'd get this. If he's that good, play him right side midfield. But don't rely on his defensive weaknesses to cost you a game. And he did the other night. Um, And I feel sorry for Ben because he came back. He had that heartbreak of the Euros because, in my opinion, in the Champions League final, I think he was absolutely outstanding. He kept Maris quiet and he was outstanding. And he should be going into that Euros thinking, my God, I've got a real chance here. And he must have been gutted. He then comes back to Chelsea and he can't even get a game. Alonso's in there. But you know something? Have we heard anything from Ben Chilwell? 
has he just got his head down and worked his socks off to get it? And then he works his socks off. He's playing absolutely fantastic. The best since he's arrived at Chelsea. And this happens. And it's heartbreaking for the lad. And it must put his World Cup hopes in doubt. He might be okay. But this is a nasty injury. This is not an easy injury to recover from. Um, and it all depends how much he's gone back, which will, you know, um, obviously we don't know what's happened, but if he does to start again, you know, you're talking maybe two months into the start of next year he could be coming into it. Now, that would put his England chances, you know, on hold. You know, you never know. But I, I just feel so sorry for him because... I love those two fullbacks. They, to me, are the, are, the, are the heartbeat of the club and of the team. Question to ask, Steve, on this. When it comes to <clears throat> this season, obviously it looks as if Chelsea are going to try and bring in somebody, whether it's a loan or permanent, a left-back, bearing in mind you've got two already out on loan. Do you go for somebody that's perhaps worth 50, 60 million, somebody who's going to be better than Alonso and be somebody who can improve the defence overall? Or do you get somebody in as a lone, bang average Joe, who either can't get into their regular side, but he's available and we'll see what we can do with him? What left-back options would you prefer, Steve? Would you go for the world-class option, well, maybe give Chilwell that competition when he comes back, or do you go for a bang average guy, and then when Chilwell comes back, this guy's off? Well, first of all, it's hard to, with this type of injury with Ben, no one knows what effect it will have on him when he gets back. Is he going to be a yard short in pace? Is he, how long is he going to take him to recover? Is he going to lose confidence? Because this is a nasty injury. And it seems to me that, you know, something else has gone wrong, which has ruled him out to the end of the season. Because as I heard, he was due back in January, wasn't he? Yeah, at one stage. They were That's it. right, yeah. yeah. You know, so not knowing what the, the prognosis is for his injury. But I think with Chelsea, and I think that if we want to compete with the best, I think we should get a squad of the best. And if you're going to play, you know, I heard about Denier at uh, Everton. Now, he can't get into the Everton team at the moment, so why are we looking at him? You know, obviously, he's a good, don't get me wrong, he's not a bad player. But I'd like us to go for maybe Davis at Bayern Munich. If you're looking for a, a left-back that can cause teams major problems, and he's... And I never thought we'd, I'd ever say this, you know, we're talking about a Canadian player here. But he is absolutely the fastest thing I think I've ever seen. And he's a super player and causes defensive stunning. You know, if I was, well, I am Chelsea Football Club, but I'd be looking at those type of players. All right, you might have to pay 30, 40, 50 grand more. But isn't it worth it to get a world-class player? You know, that's how I'd look at it. If, you know, if we want to win the Champions League, you know, Bayern, um, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, uh, you know, uh, Real Madrid have done it all their lives. They've gone for the best and they've, and we should be doing that. And I don't think it's to, to, to give someone a fifty thousand pound uh, sorry, a fifty million pound deal and give him the wages that come with that and give him a four year contract when you know the player you've got within your squad is a better player than him anyway. I I, I can't you know, because Alonso can do that. You know, he's he's how old is Alonso now? He's thirty one, isn't he? Oh crikey. Um I be- yes, I believe so. I believe he is 31. Well, to me, that's the only thing that they, they might be looking at, just to get the, uh, you know, uh, but no, I would, um, I'd go for the best. It's not as if, you know, when you look at how the clubs run and you look on the balance book um, and we paid £96 million for Lukaku, yet we sold players out of our academy for, and he cost us £6 million. You know, I'd, I'd go for the best player. We've got to touch on players potentially leaving the club now. I mean, we've talked about potentially a left-back coming in. 
there's been talks about, we've briefly touched on it with the centre-backs potentially leaving. There's a couple of players within the squad that's been linked with moves away. The likes of Ross Barkley has been linked with a move to Everton, which I did chuckle because of the abuse the Everton fans gave him at Stamford Bridge on that Thursday game. I can't see Everton fans accepting that one. That would be a bit of a uh, crazy move. But Steve, you did give a one <coughs> that you thought Barkley would be suited for. Newcastle. Hmm. You know, if they're not, you know, he, he could do a job to the end of the season. You know, they've got to get bodies in that football club. You know, not uh, the big problem they've got is not a lot of big names will want to go to a club that is staring relegation. All right, they might be able to pay an extra few quid. But at the end of the day, people are talking about their careers here. But Barkley, to me, is tailor-made for a move to Newcastle. Mm. Tailor-made. You know, and if I was Newcastle, I'd be looking at the surplus Chelsea players. And I'd be looking at the surplus Man United players and Liverpool. and you Because know, those are the players that if they do get relegated, you know, relegated, we'll bring them back to the Premier League. Then they can, once they get in the Premier League, then they can go big again. But not, no top players are going to sign for Newcastle when they're in the position they're in. So they, they've got a real dilemma. Um, and their, you know, their dilemma is, um, who do we sign? And Barkley, he could do a job up there. He's a talented lad. He's just got to make sure he does it on a more consistent basis. Well, he needs to get his head down. He needs to get his head yeah. down. He needs to get his head switched on, not worry about outside influences. He needs to concentrate on his football because there was a reason why we signed him. He was meant, he was going to be a, a great player for us. You know, he had them glimpses at Everton that there was a player there, but he just hasn't for whatever reason. Injuries, outside influences, party life just hasn't worked out. But, uh, one so Kinsletto, when I was a kid, said to me that, that God had given me an ability to play football. And the worst thing I could ever do at the end of my career was to say, if only. If only I'd done that. If only I'd have worked harder. If only I'd have been more dedicated. If only I'd have... And I had one of the greatest footballers I ever played with, Tony Curry. I sat down with him when we were at QPR. I'm sorry, lads, about mentioning QPR, but when, mm. um, and he was moving to Vancouver Whitecaps. And this god, this the most talented footballer I'd ever played with, all he kept saying was, "If only, if only I'd have been more. If only I hadn't drunk while I drank. And if only I hadn't smoked while I smoked. Only, and he he was going, if only. And I look at Barkley as an if only player. Hmm. He will look back at the end of his career and say, if only. Well, you look at a few players that have done that and you look at some of English players from down down the years that have perhaps taken a shine to the outside life. Listen, we've got one of the greatest players that Chelsea have ever produced would look back and uh, listen, and I'm talking about Huddy. Alan yeah. Hudson, to me, was one of the finest footballers I've ever seen. But he got mixed up. Mm-hmm. Down the King's Road, he got mixed up with bad influences from the senior pros, and he got dragged as a young kid. And I'm sure Huddy would look and say, yeah, I was a great player, but you know what? I could have been an even greater player. Hmm. Hmm. And you look at all the rebels of, of that time, Dan Bolt, Tony Curran, you know, Charlie George. And yet, ironically, those are the players that would make all the money in today's football. Hmm. Because they could change games. They had the ability to change games, to win games. They were fantastic. Peter Osgood, probably one of the best centre-forwards I've ever seen. But Aussie was, was, to a certain degree, an if-only boy. Because he, he was, he was Chivers or Aussie. 
there's no comparison and, and yet Sir Elf didn't trust him because of the rumours that he heard and that was a sad thing for Ozzy because Ozzy was just incredible footballer and that's the other side of football it doesn't happen so much now because of telephones and social media so players have to be more careful but in those days there was none of that you know and uh, and that's the way it was but uh, yeah, great Chelsea footballers there. And those two were the, well, the best. They were my team. They're the best two Chelsea footballers I've ever seen. Those are two players that probably certainly liked a Christmas drink, I can imagine. Well, Christmas for them was from January to December. That was the problem. <laughs> so listen, for those that are fans of that era, we've got, you know, earlier this year, we did some great interviews to celebrate that particular era of the side. And we've got a great interview with Alan Hudson that I did earlier this year. John Dempsey, who, gentleman on and off the field, fantastic guy. People like Derek Smedhurst as well. And John Boyle, who recently celebrated a birthday as well as Christmas. So if you're a fan of that era and you remember those players, give those uh, interviews a listen fantastic individuals and again really appreciated their time on the podcast earlier this year but we sort of go on from one particular era Steve from that and we're going to talk about one uh, an individual who has returned to Chelsea in a different capacity to what he was to begin with and that's John Terry the news came out today as we are recording that he is returning to Chelsea in a consultancy role, in a coaching consultancy role, I should get that right, for, for the Chelsea Academy. It will be, he will be going back there at the start of next month, so 2022, and he'll be assisting in the coaching with the Academy. He'll be helping out with player welfare and he'll be lending a hand to duties that obviously need filling, but also to provide the experience needed for these young players that want to make the step up to the first team. And doesn't matter what sort of title he's got, doesn't matter what role he's going to be part of. It's great to have JT back at the bridge. Yeah, he's um, <clears throat> you know, the, the word legend uh, is used very, very easily in football. Uh, and uh, compared with John Terry, I'm a legend, and he's a true legend. And um, I feel a bit sad because I've always looked at John's career to see, and I always felt he could be a top top coach and a top coach, you know, a manager. But I think he's got blue blood in terms of his Chelsea through and through. And if he's happy with that, because he lives in Cobham, he's got everything he wants there. He's he's a Chelsea through and through. And for him to be advising and helping the young kids at Chelsea Football Club, they couldn't have anyone better. Mm. He, he And he's, again, he's had his hard times. And he will be telling, and the, the experience that he experienced through the bad times, as well as the good times, will hold those kids and, you know, give them so much, good advice and an insight to what it's all about. Um, and you know what? I, I've never felt that JT was happy outside the Chelsea family. And he's back in now. Um, and he could do a fantastic job looking after those kids because the, our kids, as it's proven over the, over the years, are the best kids in the country. You know, um, we put Man City on. Uh, we put our kids alongside Man City, and and we are. We we've got the most fantastic academy. As I said to you before, due to the academy, Lukaku cost us six million quid. Says everything. And you only have to look at the academy and how the players are being produced from under tens, under eighteens, all the way up to first team. When against Brentford in the cup last week. We had three debutants, all from the academy, and they're not average Joes. These guys are going to be good players for years to come, and they 
They weren't the best players on the pitch against Brentford, albeit, but they certainly gave a good account of, of themselves. And I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing them more, hopefully, within the first-team structure. I can probably see them play against Chesterfield in the FA Cup next month. I can see that. But, yeah, John Terry coming back to Chelsea as a consultant, whatever, for the academy, it's fantastic. Bearing in mind, if you look at, obviously, again, what he's done, what he's achieved, to have someone like that just walk into the dressing room when you're a young player, you immediately listen. You immediately take note of what mm. he's saying because the guy's been there, done it. He's not just got the T-shirt. He's wrote a bloody book. Yeah. And it'll be interesting where his coaching path takes him after this. Because I can't see, I can't see this being a long-term role for him. I don't believe he's going to go down the same route as Lampard and become Chelsea manager. I don't think Chelsea are going to do that. I think Chelsea, Chelsea are not going to be ones to perhaps go back to the well once too many times. They've done that with Frank, and look how that's ended. I don't think Roman's going to do that with John. I think John would want it if given the opportunity, but I just can't see Chelsea doing that again, whereby they go back to somebody who was a player that was a legend at the club, but then go, we'll have him as a manager. I think there may be some players that played for Chelsea that Roman would be interested in. And this is from what I've heard and certain stories that I've been told over the, over the last year. Um, certain players that Roman or certain ex-players that Roman has had his eye on since becoming coaches and managers themselves but I can't see John Terry being on that list so it'll be interesting what happens between yeah. now and in the future with JT and coaching well I, I, I think JT uh, you know he came through that system didn't he and the great thing about those kids is those kids and John is young enough for those kids to remember John playing for Chelsea. And the majority of those kids, Chelsea would have been his, their favourite side and he would have been the king. He was the captain. So I think to have that type of influence and when he walks into the dressing room, uh, he's got a presence anyway. But when he walks into that dressing room and he's got the, the, the knowledge and experience and the respect, and that's so important with kids, that the kids respect you. And as I said, we all know each other's ups and downs. I don't mean that in a funny way, but what I'm saying is he's had good times, he's had bad times. And he knows the life of a professional footballer. And I think he's honest enough and big enough to be able to use those and help the kids in terms of advising them about the future. And I think his experience is, is worth his weight in gold to the, the, the young players. Sure. And the one thing about John, you know, whatever he does, he puts his mind to He'd give 100%. He'd give 100%. He'd give everything. Because that's the man he is. He doesn't know anything other than 100%. Mm. So he's going to be a great person for them to turn to. And the sort of person that if they've got a problem, they can speak to him. Because he's very, you know, approachable. And he's got everything to be an absolute success. You know, and maybe that will lead him on to maybe be one day manager of England 21s or you know, within the England setup, which he, you know, other than Chelsea, that's the biggest thing that he's ever, you know, he loved playing for England and he loved the, you know, the, and I could see John as a future England under 21 manager, not a problem at all. And that might be the path he might want to take because I'm amazed that no one snapped him up. I'm absolutely amazed. I look at the most, uninspiring appointments uh, uh, you, know, you know everyone gave Frank stick because he turned down the you know the Norwich job I ask you now was he right to turn that down I think he was I think he was right to turn that down he didn't believe they'd stay up he didn't believe he had the fires and he had the balls to say it and that's what Frank's got you know Frank and John have got incredible confidence in their ability uh, and Frank was big enough to say, hold him a minute, I'm not desperate for a job. I will take the right one. Yeah. Uh, it's all about the right one. Yeah. Uh, and I respect him for that. 
I respect him unbelievably. And the two of them, listen, they are, as I said, they are true legends. On, you know, Frank, the way he's lived his life and the way he has behaved within his career, I always used to look at him and he was the most dedicated Chelsea footballer. He was the last one to leave the training ground. He was the last one. Yeah, he's just an absolutely outstanding individual. And John is a, listen, in life you get leaders. And no matter how you try, you can't create fit. It's in you, it's inbred. And John was probably the greatest Chelsea leader we've ever had. Um, so if he can lead men, he do a great job looking after kids. Well, good luck to John with this new role and hopefully this will be uh, something that the Chelsea Academy boys will really get their teeth into and really learn from the guy because, as, as we said, you know, he's got decades of experience and a way of helping the youngsters. You bring in somebody who's got class on and off the pitch to help them out. So, great for John, great for the club. Hopefully... We'll see the uh, benefits to it further down the line. So, talking about further down the line, Steve, this is the last episode of 2021. And for a year that's caused a lot of stress for me on this podcast, it's safe to say, I, I look back on this year of 2021, and it's been an unbelievable year when it comes to this podcast in particular. The people I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting in regards to this podcast and people I've had the pleasure of talking to and the the bonds that I've been able to create because of this podcast, for example, yourself and other play, other ex-players, the likes of John Dempsey and people like Mark Nichols and Clive Wilson, just to name a few of them. I know, I know there's others, but I'm looking forward to next year. And next year, there's going to be big plans for this podcast. Just in particular, I'm not going to sort of give it away too much. This will be announced next week, but next week, I'm. This is probably going to be one of the episodes that I am going to look forward to, and probably be a little bit sad while actually talk, talking about it. But it's still going to be such a great episode. Me and Steve have talked about it over Christmas and beforehand, and we've got a bit of a surprise for you all. For, those, for, for the listeners, and we are going to have this out next week. Someone's special birthday next week, and we're going to celebrate his birthday next week. Somebody who I'm a big fan of, and Steve is a huge fan of, and Steve has had the pleasure of knowing him for many, many years. We're going to discuss about him next week. We're, we're not going to give it away today, but we'll, we will announce it next week on who it is and we're going to have a special show to celebrate his career and it'll be fascinating for me to listen to stories that you've got Steve of this guy because I know you've got a few and you've been dying to tell me a few more that you obviously you've already mentioned to me and we're going to start the year on a high we're going to start the year with a good show and a great man to talk about and I was again. I know you're not going to give too much away, but I'm. Listen, you can tell by the excitement of my voice. I cannot wait to talk about this guy for next week's episode, Steve. Yeah, no, he's an absolute. Uh, well, I, I just, just one of those people that comes with once in a lifetime. Yeah, and actually, never got quite the credit he deserved. Mm. So we we are going to talk about him next week. An absolute genius. Yes. Yeah, somebody who a lot of people will look at and go, yeah, he was he 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 was certainly one of a kind. And yeah. you know, as you've said and other people I've spoken to about it, uh, an utter gentleman. Yes, yeah. So we're going to sort of have that as our first show of 2022 talking about his career and his life and it's going to be such a great episode so I do urge you guys if you're a fan of your Chelsea history because he was a former Chelsea player which is one another reason why we're talking about it 
I urge everyone to listen to it. We're going to have that this year to to begin 2022. We're also going to hopefully have a feature on the 97 squad that 25 years ago in 2022 won the FA Cup. We're hopefully going to have a few special features and a few surprises in store with that as well. And Steve, we're going to talk about as well with it being 30 years of the Premier League. We're going to hopefully discuss a few sort of stories and notes from the 92-93 season with it being 30 years. And also something that sort of discussed it with a few people that attended the annual lunch. The fact that it's 10 years ago next year that we won the European Cup for the first time in Munich. I cannot believe it's been 10 years already. That is scary. That is scary. 10 years I remember trying to, my son going absolutely mental running around the house. Uh, you know, it was, it was one of the greatest, greatest nights for a Chelsea fan. But I cannot believe that 10 years. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. It just goes to show, doesn't it? Yeah. As you get older, Keith, life goes faster. That's what someone told me. And, he, and it's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's just crazy to think about knowing that where Chelsea was that particular season and personally where I was ten years ago to now and looking at that particular squad and we're gonna have a bit of fun ne- next year actually, Steve. We're gonna sort of, you know, have a like an episode whereby we're gonna discuss the difference in the squads that won the Champions League from twenty twelve to twenty twenty one. We're gonna have a bit of a a bit of a debate. You know, we'll sort of get your coaching hat on as well as, and we're going to discuss, you know, which players were better in their their positions and which players started the final, which players would you have, so on and so forth. So we are going to have a bit of fun on on the podcast as well, but we're also looking to do some player interviews next year as well. And we've got some, hopefully a few surprises in store next year and, We've got a lot of feedback from the player interviews that we've had this year. And Steve, Steve, if I said everybody that was on the show this year, we'd be here for another hour talking about them. Then we've yeah. had, I've had an unbelievable array of people that I've had on the show that I'm very, very fortunate and proud to have on the show. And for those that perhaps are not aware, the recent interview we've had with Paul Canneville, Great interview. We was talking about his book. We was talking about his time as a Chelsea player. But we've also had some some great interviews as well, even at the start of the year when we had people like Kevin Wilson on the show. So next year, we're going to have some fun with the interviews as well. We're going to hopefully get some guys that you might not be probably thinking that would be doing the podcast, but believe you me, we'll do our utmost to get these guys on. And yeah, Steve, massive, massive plans for the podcast going forward next year. Yeah. Very exciting, Keith. Very exciting. So just to end on a on a positive note, we're gonna sort of talk just discuss very briefly what our hopes and expectations are for twenty twenty two. Partly a New Year's prediction rather than a, a resolution. Steve, I'll start with you. Your New Year, your New Year prediction for 2022 when it comes to Chelsea Football Club? Well, I've always said I, I thought it would be absolutely fantastic for us to retain the Champions League. Um, and I still think we can do it. I think that, um, you know, last year we were a lot harder. We were harder to beat in those, you know, we've got Lille the next round. And I'm thinking to myself, Everything being equal, we should get through that. And then it's anybody's choice. You know, it's you're so close to, you know, doing that. And I think it would be such a great achievement to become the first English club since Nottingham Forest, funny enough. Hmm. Is that right? I think yeah, it is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I think that would be a hell of an achievement. But what I'd like us to do at the moment is just hang in that, champ- uh, you know, the Premier League title race. But listen, my history with Chelsea goes back a long time. Um, and trust me, there was a time where 
you couldn't even dream this was going to happen. Uh, and it's just fantastic that it has happened because uh, we have the greatest supporters. Um, we've always been ridiculed a little bit. I, you know, I, we had sat and listened to Man United players say, well, Chelsea haven't got any history. Well, that's wrong. We have got history. Um, and we are a great club and we've got the best supporters in the, in, in the world. Um, and I hope we've certainly got what we deserve lately with theory, cup after cup after cup after cup. But <laughs> I'd like us to retain the Champions League. Well, we can only hope. We, we we can only hope and hopefully Tuchel will get the squad to go in and this season will hopefully be a, a memorable one like it was last season. Yeah. Definitely. Well, there's not much left for me to say other than, Steve, from the bottom of my heart, thank you again for being part of this podcast, part of this journey that we are currently going through. And like I said, we're going to have some great surprises, hopefully, for 2022. And... All that's left to say is Happy New Year, Steve. Yeah, and to you, Keith. And to all the Chelsea fans out there, let's hope we have a happy and successful New Year. Well, we hope you've enjoyed your Christmas. We hope you're going to enjoy your New Year. Stay safe, Happy New Year, and carefree. Podcast Network.